Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Culture Bites Studio, DB. It's great to be back, Dom. Some would say it's been too long between drinks, but I am back in the chair. It's been a long time. So last time we were here, we talked... We did a whole series, actually, on how culture works. We did. Yeah, it was a great. We did five episodes, starting with what is culture versus climate and engagement. And then the next four episodes talked us through the causal factors of culture. And so that was a great series, and we had a lot of traction, actually. A lot of listeners listened to that. If you haven't yet listened to that, make sure you download those ones and have a listen, because it's a great explanation all about what is culture and how, how is it actually shaped and formed and so on. Really useful. One question we had coming out of it, though, was a lot of people, a lot of people loved it. They understood it, but they're saying, you know, culture is a big thing and it's a big thing for companies, right? If you're trying to change it across a large company. So the question people had was around what's some practical steps, some framework, something like that, that they can use to kind of help shape them and shape a program towards actually developing culture. So do you have any tips for that, DB? Yeah, it's a great question, Dom. And it's a question we get asked regularly, which is, how do I? Mm. or how might we go about our culture journey. Mm. And I think there's some fundamental principles that we apply when we're going to start a journey or a transformation. Mm -hmm. Sort of hate the word journey, but it's like a, (laughs) it is a change program we're having with clients. And I think some key fundamentals are at a macro level, and we'll talk about some details as we get in, but before you start, understand why. So the very first step out of the gate is why are we doing this in the first place? And I think once you've got that understanding of why, you do need a baseline. Where are we at? And where do you want to be? It's pretty hard to aim to where you want to be if you don't know where you are. Right. And it's the old analogy, we're going off on some journey or some holiday, where's the destination, where are you heading to? Mm. So you need to know where you're heading and where you are to build Mm. that plan. Otherwise, it's a bit of a how long is the piece of string kind of. It is. You've got no idea where you're starting from. Correct. It's like, well, what do I do? Where do I start? Mm. And the third step I would say would be to actually do the change, create change, use those constructive styles we know very well, be curious, be inspirational, be spontaneous, be creative, create some change to drive where you want to be. Mm -hmm. And finally, this comes to the journey word, it does never stop. Um, So the challenge for all of us is how do we learn from what we've done? Mm. How do we learn from where we are Mm. and then sustain? Mm. So the key part of any intervention or any program or transformation or journey, whatever word you want to put around it, is that ability to learn and sustain. So if I was to summarize those four key steps, in my mind, for any part of culture change you're going on, understand why, build a baseline, create change and then learn and sustain. Yeah, beautiful. So that frames it up nicely. If we dive into maybe some of the details under those, so under the understanding why, why does that matter? Why do we need to do that? Yeah, great question. A key challenge for all organizations is, and culture is very topical, it's almost like the word of 2018 is culture. Yeah. Unfortunately, most people don't understand it still, but that might be our challenge for 2019. Absolutely. Which is... uh, why culture, why is it so important? If I was to break it down though, understanding why would be around this concept of let's discover why we're doing it and align the expectations of the senior leaders in the organization and align the broader organization. 
So we really do need to have a frame of a purpose and a vision about where we're going. Are some wise better than others? Yeah, I would say yes. Uh, some wise are better than others. Why are we doing this? Because the board said we need to. Mm. Which is quite common at the moment, actually, because which is, it's the word of the year sort of thing. Yeah, which is probably, and without saying too direct, it might come across as a bit of a tick of a box. Mm. You really want to understand what's the organization looking to be different, and it's not to make the board happy. So the the board and a good constructive board will be looking to actually be competitive in the future. Mm. And we talked about the three Vs in the early early editions, uh-huh. which were shareholder value. So we're obviously doing culture for a return on investment. And we know there's a tangible return for organizations that shift cultures to be more constructive than defensive. Uh-huh. But you're also doing it for your customers. So in turn, I was with a client only in the last couple of weeks. We know that clients and your customers will have a better experience dealing with you if you have a more constructive culture. Uh. And additionally, it's for your employees. Uh. So your employees are going to be feel more valued, they will be more valued, and they'll deliver you better outcomes and they'll work in partnership with you. So that's when we talk to clients. We're really looking at those three Vs. Would you say under that, that people need a specific thing though? Because I think what I've noticed at least is people know like we should be working on culture, right? Because it's all in the news and stuff right now. We should be doing this. But without necessarily identifying like what do I actually want to change? Like what do we want to see that's different? Yes. I would say the specific you're looking for is some tangibles under those measures. Mm. So if it's employees, is it safety? And it depends on the industry. So it could be could be incident rates, it could be near misses, it could be LTIs. And as you'll remember from our previous episodes, there's no such thing as a safety culture. There is only culture. Mm-hmm. It might be from an employee's lens, it might be around growth and development and succession and personal career growth. So we know that more constructive cultures are going to create opportunities. And some of those opportunities are for people to leave and flourish in other organizations. Mm. It might be around turnover. It might be around absenteeism. Mm. So each organization will be unique in their value proposition. Yeah, exactly. So I guess it's getting to that so it's not just saying we want an environment that's good for our employees, but actually identifying specific challenges that maybe we have today. And yeah. We want to change that for the future. Yeah. And you'll notice I, I chose some tangible outcome measures. Mm. Another one in there would be engagement. Mm-hmm. But the key for engagement is around that feeling, which will then impact on safety, turnover levels, et cetera, and some of those other metrics. Mm-hmm. The other two metrics are equally as important as employee, which is around customer and shareholder as well. Absolutely. So are we trying to, are we new to the market? We're trying to grow market share and build our customer scores. Are are we a a long-term player in the market? Are we trying to maintain our competitive advantage and stay new and relevant? And obviously all those variables lead to shareholder return. Yeah. And one I've seen often is, you know, we've got this new strategy or something, or we're undergoing some big growth phase or something, and we need the culture to that's going to help us get there, basically. Correct. Yeah. So an organization in any part of its life cycle, starting out in the middle of its life cycle, mm. towards the end of it, if it's a product-based organization, towards the end of its life cycle, culture is going to help them achieve and be a better performer than average. Mm. And that's what we're about. So the key for that understanding why phase, that discover and align, 
is really to look forward from where we are today and understand, okay, what is it about? What are the executives looking for? What are the broader teams looking for? Mm. What are the shareholders looking for? And ultimately, we want a clear purpose and vision of what we're doing. Mm. So tactically, we would do some, I'd recommend you do some interviews mm-hmm. with people, get a feeling for the organization, go for walk arounds. If it's a facility where you can walk around, do that. Also in that understand why and that the align part of the discover, so discover and align, the align part would be ensuring everybody's on the same page around what culture is uh, and what we're about to undertake as an organization. Because what we find is that organizations who don't understand and aren't aligned probably aren't as committed. Uh, so let's align up front. Uh-huh. The outcome Tangible outcome would be clear understanding of the purpose and vision of what we're trying to do, great alignment from the executives and the organization about how we're going to get there, and you'd see that in a project plan. Uh, so that's how I'd summarize that aligned phase, to understand why. And some of that with the executives is being able to come out with a consistent story around it. You know, why are we doing this? It has to be consistent. Correct. Yeah. So part of that would be the communications that we would exist uh, in the organization. Uh. And we work with some clients who do that very well. They have a, a mantra about what they're doing and why they're doing. Uh, and it's common. Everyone talks from the same page. Uh, love it. So that was the first phase that you identified at the start. The second was around building a baseline. So what's that about? Yeah. So we're really, if you think now, we've got a good understanding of where we're going, why we're going, and we're aligned. Mm. But we now need to have this baseline. You can't take culture and do it with a small few. So a part of this is to enlist and engage the organization. Mm-hmm. So we want to enlist and engage the broader mass of people in the organization, let them know from the first phase why we're doing this. We also want to do the measure and analyze. And there's two parts to that. One, it's to measure where we want to be, and we would call that our ideal or preferred culture. Mm. The other part would be measure where we are today. Mm. And those causal factors from the earlier, earlier podcast and rather variables we can work on. Uh. So tangibly, there would be communication sessions. We'd be out there running communication sessions. We'd be talking around the key outcomes we're looking for and why we're doing that. We'd also work with the organization to build any additional data sets they'd want to cut or sub-questions sub or supplementary questions. Part of the build, and build a baseline phase is also understanding how we're going to report data at the end of the day. Uh. So... What I say to people, it's important to do that planning up front of how you report, and then we'll use that data at the subsequent stages once we've got the data. And what's your view on, so if I go back to just the enlist part of that, what's your view on having like a culture team, culture project team? Like, how do you approach that? It's a good question. The whole organization should be in in part of the team, Mm. but you do need a series of champions to lead specific activities. So it's a journey, it's a transformation that's owned by the organization. Mm. But you need a series of champions who will lead focus groups, run communication sessions. Do the practical, pragmatic stuff as well. Facilitate the execution of certain activities. One of the, and you can probably sense the hesitation, one of the challenges is not that executives do this, and I'd say that with a smile on my face, is you outsource the culture journey, culture transformation to the culture team. Mm. So Mm. now it's become the culture team's responsibility. Mm. And ultimately, it's the executive and leader's responsibility, but it's all responsibility. 
So, yeah, certainly I'm a big believer in having a team who's going to be charted with doing activities within the program and they lead and model and create and sustain, Mm. but it's everybody's journey. And that's probably the challenge because not just the execs either, but sometimes, especially in a passive organization, with the actions they can be waiting for the, okay, so the culture team's going to do it, right? Rather than doing it themselves, which they ultimately have to do. Correct. And that's the challenge, right? So the best culture teams of all uh, facilitate action in others mm. rather than do the action themselves. Mm. But yeah, so do we? should you have a team? Absolutely. Mm. I would uh, treat it like any other project. Mm. Have a good plan, have good ownership, good accountability, great timeline and great review processes. Mm. Mm. So that build a baseline phase, the outcomes of that phase are really we we now know where we are, all right? And we know where we want to be. We've got a good alignment from the why. And so would you, with that, so we've got our reason why, we've measured where we currently are. Would you also look at measuring the ideal culture that we're yeah. aiming for? Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I, I must have skipped that. I thought I said that earlier. One of the things we would talk about is measuring where, where we want to be, that mm. ideal preferred culture. Mm. There's a couple of ways you can do that as well. You can do that as part of the focus groups. Mm-hmm to get broader involvement. You can do it online, but it also, the advantage of preferred, and I always start with preferred with a client. We know what it's going to look like, but it builds momentum from the organization. This is where we want to go. It's not being driven by somebody else. Not everybody needs to do preferred, but my advice as part of that builder baseline is preferred is a sample of people from your organization. It's not only your executive teams, it's not only one location or one function or one level. You just take a sample through the organization. And I guess you want to do that because i just thinking of some organizations, especially if there's particular issues in the culture. If only the execs have done it, they might be like, well, you know, that's what the execs think. But, you know, down here or in this part of the business, you know, we have a different view. So part of it, by measuring that, I guess, you get those different views. And Co- as you're probably about to say, they often are actually pretty much the same. Correct. A hundred percent. Yeah. It builds involvement. And look, it builds involvement and commitment. Right. So, which is, we know it, involvement and empowerment and getting the views of others, two good levers to help build a constructive culture. Mm. So. Beautiful. All right. Well, so with the other thing I was thinking when you're saying that is with probably both those phases together, the understand why and then the baseline is kind of, um, you know, unfreezing the organization in a way because you've almost got to, it's the holding up the mirror, basically, saying why we're doing this and then saying, seeing where we currently are and where we need to get to. You've got to build some kind of need, felt need to act, right? There's got to be something that they want to pursue. Correct. Yeah, it is. And I think it's Lewin's model talks about the unfreeze. Yeah, yeah, that's where I was pointing from. (laughs) Act and freeze. Well done, Dom. Seeing, I know a little bit. Still old, but I know a little bit. I think Lewin's older than me. Yeah, I think it was from 1950 or something. Yeah, definitely. So. Well, <laughs> marginally older than me, shall we say. It's all relative. But it is. It's about creating that momentum, mm. creating the desire and the motivation for change. Which is why I think also you need that specific thing that you're actually trying to solve too, because You've got to feel it. It's got to be something kind of real and tangible. Yeah, and we have a couple of change simulations we use to start people on a journey. Mm. And it's quite, they're great simulations. And it's interesting that sometimes 
everybody sort of understands the need to understand why, uh, but they run through it pretty quickly uh-huh. and they don't dig deep. And then they go, yeah, sure, you need a plan and you need some data and you need to know where you are and where you're going. It makes sense. But again, they do it at a relatively quick superficial level. Uh-huh. And what happens is they get to the third step of uh, creating the change and they hit a wall mm. because they've got no foundation or no anchor points mm. to actually ground the whole journey to. Mm, that makes sense. Okay, well, why don't we move on to that next phase then, which was around creating change. So we've, we've got our why, we've got our baseline. Now we're looking to actually do some change. Yeah, so it's, it's time to actually uh, put the rubber on the road, start building, those, building the house, got the foundation if you like. So one of the key things we need to do is explain to people what the data is telling them. Mm. So there's a, there's a degree of work to be done to debrief the executive team, mm-hmm. the culture change team, and the organization. So one of the things I, I say to everybody is if someone's taken time to give you feedback, you, we all need to take time to show them the results of the feedback. Mm. So we need to debrief the organization. And that... That means we need to actually articulate what's going on in the culture in a story. Mm. We need to build a story about the organization. Equally, we need to build a story about where we're going as well, mm. which is helping come from that understand why and build the baseline. Mm. Once we've actually built the story, we now need to actually talk about what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. So, and without going through the causal factors, because we've done that in the previous episodes, a combination of those causal factors and the styles coming out of the circumplex give you insights of where to focus. Mm. And you need a plan, all right? So, and you need someone to own certain aspects of the plan. So if a variable is communication, what is it going to be about communication? Who's going to own it? How will you review it? The same applies if you're going to work on involvement and empowerment. What is it going to be? Who's going to do it? How will you review it? Mm. So you've got to build a plan got to assign responsibility to that plan, and then you've got to execute the plan. The other thing I'd say is, and it links sort of into the next step, but you've also got to have a process to review this plan. So how are we going? The best plans in the world are adaptable and changeable, mm. but it doesn't mean you don't plan. Mm. So you've got to be open to the eyes of ready to change. Have a plan. My advice would be don't be too perfectionistic about it, though. If we spend all our time in analysis and planning – we're spending less time in executing and doing. Yeah, that's right. In there, with the debriefs and with the action planning, because I guess they kind of go together, right? Correct. They might be in phases, but they would be happening. Because sometimes you need resonance for the data to sit. Okay. So depending on the culture, sometimes you might present the data week one Hmm. over four hours a day, with an executive team, for example, you then might go out and work with some functional teams that week or the following week, get some more data, let it sit with the execs, come back week two, week three, and then talk about what you're going to do about it. Yeah, that's some, interesting. Sometimes you just need a little bit of reflection, all right? Yeah. Let the data sit with you and digest. And I'm not, we're not saying wait six weeks, mm. all right? Mm. Typically, we would do something within a one to three week time frame. Mm. But that resonance, that reflection time is often as powerful as the first debrief. Because you know what's going to happen is once you've got the culture results, you're going to notice it. You're going to notice that culture everywhere you look now. Correct. And it actually builds 
clarity, right? Mm. So I've just been given some data and I can now see that in action. Mm. So then when you come back to do planning, you can be more focused and deliberate about what can be different. Yeah, because you've probably no specific. So yeah. on your communication example, well, you know, in the week or two weeks since we got the data, you'll actually notice communication and how the organization's doing that. So you have more specific examples, perhaps. Yeah, exactly right. So, and then you can actually be more targeted. Mm. So, and it's the way to go. Yeah, I like that. And you can also potentially identify some stars who can help you. The diamonds and gems in your organization who are, particularly if we look at subculture data, so part of this creating change, would be looking in the organization, where is it really driving constructive or being as supportive, curious, courageous as we can be versus less so? Hmm. What insights do we get from different functions, different departments, Hmm. different regions Hmm. that we can actually share across? So you might be able to get some insights and use some of those champions to cross-fertilize and build the culture that way as well. Yeah, I like that. And on that, how would you handle, because there's going to be certain actions across the organization that need to be done at executive level or maybe an HR kind of level. But then there's going to be subculture stuff in this particular department or this particular job site or office or whatever it may be. How do you handle handle that? Yeah. So my first, if you like, uh, rule of thumb is do not boil the ocean. Mm. Be very selective on the items you pick mm-hmm. and pick the ones that are going to give you the biggest bang. All right. You're going to get the maximum return both across those three those three Vs, shareholder, customer, employee value, but also in your culture journey, which is why you're doing for oh. the three Vs. Oh. So I would say organizationally, you want to probably have three, maybe four different initiatives at most. And then at looking at the subculture data, each team might have two or three local initiatives, oh. but they are local to the team uh-huh. that the team own, the team control. The team might report back through, but they're things the team are working on. And that's why subculture data is so important and looking at different subcultures. So are there, are there ones that particularly, thinking of causal factors, are there ones that particularly apply to one level and not the other? So yeah, good question. I would say organizational per- mission and philosophy. Is that uh, an exec level? Yeah, is it more exec level? Yeah. So if that's, let's say, uh, lower than the historical average, Across the board, it's probably more of an executive organizational, why do we exist? What's our purpose? Mm. If communication across the board is pretty good, but it's low in one team, you might look at communication practices in one team. Yeah, right. Leadership might be another one that's across the organization. I'd have to look at specific subculture data, Mm. but leadership's another one that you might target organizational-wide. Mm. So how do we lead in this organization to build a constructive culture? Could be a theme. Some job design elements might be more localized. Right. So specific aspects of specific roles might not be showing the autonomy or significance or the variety in roles compared to other roles in the organization. Mm. So you're right. So I didn't really consider that, but you're right. There could be a disconnect between the organization's results and a specific subgroup's results. Correct. So in which case, if the organization might be doing a good job overall in something, but there's a specific issue with this department or area or whatever. Could be. They could look at it or vice versa. 100%. Right? Yeah. One or subunits, and we often see subunits that are more constructive than the entire organization. Mm. 
and it's what can we learn from those subunits. Mm-hmm. So they might be doing a causal factor really well. So Correct. Like how they're doing goal setting or something might be really good. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, leadership could be really good. Leadership could Comms be good. could be good. The job design elements. So they're doing something well in an organization that's not as constructive as it could be or desires mm. to be. Right. Um, so leverage it. So what are they doing? Mm. How are they doing that? How can you share? Mm. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. And then you, so we've identified what we're going to work on at a organizational level and a local level. And then you talked about, so we're, and we're putting that into action, right? So that could be HR, could be executing it or, you know, in your team that someone's assigned to be yeah. responsible for delivering it. But then you talked about how do you check in? How do you make yeah. sure? How do you sustain this? So I guess that leads into that learn and sustain. fourth phase, learn yeah. and sustain. Yeah. So conceptually, if you think we now know why we're doing this, mm. we've also got a baseline of where we are, where we're trying to go. Mm-hmm. We've actually got a plan of what we're going to do and the, the exec team, the broader organization knows our data or what we're going to do. It's now about really doing it and learning as we go. Mm. So the learn and sustain phase is really around the implementation. Uh, but we use I use the word learn and sustain to create the environment that it's ongoing. Uh, that doesn't stop. So that unlike building a facility or launching a new piece of software, uh, even though software changes all the time as well, <laughs> it's about the we're going to implement stuff and we're going to learn from it. So one of the key components of organizations that do change well is they have our formal process to review how we're going hmm. and organizations that are what i would say are exemplar typically pick project or projects that only have a life of 12 weeks to 16 weeks and then they break it down into chunks hmm. and then they stop it how do we go and they might continue the same theme of project hmm. but they make sure they can clearly define deliverables in three months hmm. okay or four months Otherwise, you end up with a project plan that goes for 18 months. Uh-huh. And nothing gets done for 17 and, and, it's, <laughs> and something. It's the old student syndrome. <laughs> the assignment's due Monday morning. When do I start it? Sunday night. <laughs> yeah. So if you can chunk them down, how can we actually deliver and achieve faster? Mm. And learn. Like part of a good constructive organization culturally will learn mm. as they're going mm. and adapt. And then the final part of it, it's all about sustainability. It takes a lot of hard work to create a constructive culture. Mm. It takes just as much hard work to maintain and sustain a constructive culture. That's it. I think um, of the four phases, I think this is actually the hardest phase because the other bits are kind of exciting, you know, like you're surveying, you're doing these workshops, you're coming up with actions, you know, that's all exciting and the hard work kind of hits in a way <laughs> is in sustaining it and, and building in those reviews. And it's more the, I guess, the mundane or whatever you want to call it, but it's critical, right? And that's often where, you know, the energy dissipates, if you like. Yeah, 100%, 100% because it becomes, and ideally it becomes the routine. Right. This becomes our mantra. Mm. We're working on our culture all the time. We're involving, we're engaging, we've been creative, curious, courageous. All those words in our organization, it's our mantra. And we're working with clients now to how do we check in with them? What can we do to check where we're at? Because mm. one of the challenges is, is you don't want to survey all the time. Mm. It just doesn't work. You'll get survey fatigue, you'll kill your organization, 
And we say, look, measure your culture every 18 months to two years mm. and work hard in between. But we are now playing and we're building some approaches that we can actually measure in between those to check how we're going. Mm. And our early insights are that we can generally generally get a pretty good read of the organization's tracking well or tracking not so well, which is pretty cool. But you've got you to work at it. It just doesn't happen. Mm. And what I often say to clients is the rubber hits the road and learn and sustain because now is your motivation to change your culture stronger than the current level of motivation in the organization, which is your culture. Mm. So Maintain the status quo, yeah. Yeah, so your motivation's got to be stronger than your culture. Yeah, right. And if you have a culture that's highly defensive in terms of avoidant and oppositional, your approach is going to be be critical and avoid and not do anything. Right. So your motivation's got to be really high to shift the anchors. And I work with a client and I talk about six and seven o'clock on the circumplex has been deep anchors, all right? And you've got one of those cruise ships in Sydney Harbour today and they've got a deep anchor, all right? Mm. But, they're, but they're out in the middle of the ocean and it's fathoms deep. Mm. And that anchor's buried deep in the substrate of the, the earth. You've got to pull it out. It's hard work. But then you've got a lot of work to do to lift it up so mm. the ship can move. Mm. So where you start, sometimes it, it is going to be harder. If you're starting somewhere where you're on a good platform and you've got a good chunk of constructive styles, mm. your challenge is probably not so much moving the anchor it's actually creating the motivation that this is us to be constructive in yes. our organization. And often we see organizations start defensive and hit that point of reflection or tip where they have constructive and then they might plateau there for 12, oh, 18 months, two years, maybe even four years, where the organization's internally saying, are we really wanting to be constructive? Mm. Is it really our mantra? And if you break through that and you live constructive you got a better chance than most of sustaining it. Mm. Once you're there. Once you're there. Yeah, right. Um, but unfortunately, we do know some changes in the organization can actually change the culture. New leadership and so on. New leadership and so on, yeah. The, which is also, probably a new topic. It probably is a whole topic on its own. But on the other hand, we've seen lots of organizations who really had embedded the culture strongly within the organization yeah. and it lasted through multiple leadership changes. Correct, yeah. Um, and they're good examples of where the culture is stronger than the leadership, yeah, the individual leaders. Exactly. And it's probably, the only, it's probably a nice... They also bought into it, to be fair. That true. That helped too. <laughs> yeah, true. They were committed. But that's because they were successful because right. of that culture. So why would you not buy into it? Correct, yeah, 100%. The, um, I was going to say, it's probably a good segue, though, to just highlight that often culture and leadership will run in parallel. Mm. And this might be a topic for another podcast another day. But where does leadership fit in to this culture transformation journey? So we've talked really today about understanding why culturally building the baseline of where we want to be and where we are, mm. creating the change plan based on the data we're getting, mm. then learning, sustaining, and implementing around the causal factors. One of the causal factors is leadership. And you can start the leadership growth and development activities right back at that understand why phase. So some organizations would run in parallel development of their exec team early on, and then they'd move into development of the, the level twos, the reports, the exec, and the level threes and so forth. Uh. And over the two-year journey, before they remeasure culture, they're actually working on those leadership things as one of the causal factor variables. Yeah, I love it. 
and that's right. Leaders have a huge impact on culture, so they're really two sides of the same coin, if you will. I think we said that about five episodes ago. <laughs> yeah, uh, head and tail of the same coin, leadership and culture. You can't, and uh, like a coin, they're uh, an alloy. I think that's right. Going back to my chemical days, they're bonded. You can't separate them. Mm, All exactly. Right? Yeah, so they're completely as one. Beautiful. Well, thanks for giving us that outline, DB. So high level, the four phases were around understand why, which is the discovery and alignment, building a baseline, which was enlisting a, a change team and so on, engaging with the organization and, and measuring the culture, the current as well as ideal. Then it was about creating change, which included you know building the capability of some people and getting that action planning in. Uh, what are we actually going to do about it and executing that? And then finally was learn and sustain. So how are we going to revisit it? How are we going to stay on track? How are we going to maintain it over the long term and keep that momentum up? Yeah, great summary, Dom. Fantastic. Well, thanks for your time today. I think we came up with a few new uh, topic ideas by the end of that. So It's always one of the challenges when I come in this studio with you, Dom. We always get some more to do. We should get more work. <laughs> Beautiful. All right, well, I'll see you on the next one and we can maybe top, do one of those topics. Right. Thanks, Dom. Good to be on Culture Bites back again. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. Thanks for being part of our amazing community. We can only do it together with yourself. So long for now.